Welcome to the April 2010 Immigration Solutions In Focus podcast. For more information on any of our articles or to become a client of Immigration Solutions, please head to our website at www.immigrationsolution.net. From there, you can navigate to our blog, news ad articles, and our contact page. This month, we will begin with our article on the Obama immigration policy's first year. This month marks the seventh anniversary of the DHS, which is home to the nation's three immigration agencies, ICE, CBP, and USCIS. It also marks the end of a sweeping internal review ordered by the DHS secretary, Janet Napolitano, which has not been made public. The Immigration Policy Center has released a report entitled DHS Progress Report, The Challenge of Reform to assess the first year of the Obama administration's immigration policy. On the plus side, there has been more public engagement and discussion of DHS priorities. ICE has announced, although not fully implemented, numerous detention reforms. It has done away with the massive worksite raids of the past few years, placing greater emphasis on employer violations. The Obama administration and USCIS have made some genuine inroads into immigration fee reform, backlog reduction, and expanded naturalization and integration efforts. Secretary Napolitano has also invested significant time and resources into developing plans for comprehensive immigration reform. For more on the Obama immigration policy's first year, please see our website, www.immigrationsolution.net, or see our newsletter of the month. And now we move on to an article reported in Workforce magazine regarding foreign expats heading home in dramatic numbers. The lack of opportunities in the U.S. plus burgeoning business opportunities on their home turf are causing foreign workers to return to their native lands. Experts warn that the shift will force domestic firms to compete with their one-time workforces as they open their own companies in their native countries. A 2009 survey by financial firm HSBC revealed that 23% of expats in the United States and 44% in the United Kingdom were considering going home because of the global economy. Although they originate from several countries, these expats from the U.S. and U.K. cited limited career prospects as the top reason for returning home. Back in the U.S., the story is particularly startling with one expert contending that the tide of expats heading home has reached historic proportions. For the first time in American history, expats are leaving, says Vivek Watwa, senior research associate with a labor and work-life program at Harvard Law School. Quote, For the last decade or so, there has been a massive outflux of talent, particularly to India and China. These are typically skilled professionals in the prime of their careers, Watwa says. Between 50,000 and 75,000 Indian and Chinese professionals went back home in the last 20 years. There will be another 100,000 to India and 100,000 to China in the next five years, he says. These people are driving innovations in their home countries that will be competitors to America. When we start seeing the next Google coming out of India and China, and people realize these advances are coming from former expats, that's when the alarm bells will go off, Wadwa says. Many of these expats would like to stay, says Lynn Shotwell, executive director of the American Council on International Personnel, 
an organization advocating improved business immigration policies. The perception is that if we really wanted to change these things, we would, she says. The question is, are we losing our edge? The ability to attract the best and the brightest from around the world was always a big strength for the United States. Now we're pulling up the welcome mat. Thanks to the recession, companies are evaluating the cost of international assignments and the need to bring expatriates home. Before, companies felt they needed to send people abroad to open markets and transfer technology and culture, says Scott Sullivan, the executive vice president of Brookfield Global Relocation Services, an international full-service relocation company. Now there are lots of capable people in those countries who can perform those jobs. Companies ask if they really need to send people overseas, or can we hire locally. Now we move to the Canadian experience. Last month, I touched on the benefits of studying in Canada. Students who have graduated from a two-year post-secondary institution are eligible to apply and receive a postgraduate work permit valid for up to three years. After having obtained the postgraduate work permit and having worked in managerial, professional, skilled, or technical occupations, for at least one year, the applicant is then eligible to apply for permanent residence in Canada under the Canadian Experience class, allowing for a smooth, uninterrupted transition from temporary resident to permanent resident in less than one year. Foreign workers who have worked in Canada for a period of two years or more are also eligible for this program. Many people are surprised to know that Canada is not looking to send out temporary students and workers away once they have completed their studies or employment in Canada. Rather, Canada is providing avenues to allow these individuals to remain in Canada, as they are already familiar with Canadian society and can contribute to the Canadian economy. If you are studying or working in Canada and or have the intentions to do so, our office would be happy to provide you with more information specific to your situation. Feel free to contact Immigration Solutions Affiliate Office in Canada by emailing ellen at d-e-w-i-t-t-i-m-m-i-g-r-a-t-i-o-n.com. We now go to a post from our blog on March 30th entitled, The Top 10 Healthcare Occupations. The new healthcare reform law covers a lot of ground, measuring in at about 2,400 pages and twice as long as War and Peace. Much attention this week has been focused on big-ticket provisions such as national exchange for buying insurance, an end to excluding people with pre-existing medical conditions. But scattered throughout the law are also a number of provisions that focus on the prevention of illness and keeping people fit. And some healthcare experts say this is where the real action will be in years ahead. What jobs will be in demand to service this need? If you're considering switching careers or just starting to think about where to begin yours, this is the list for you. At the top of the list, we have registered nurses, one of the most in-demand careers in the United States. Registered nurses are projected to generate over 580,000 new jobs by 2016. This does not count the hundreds of thousands of jobs that will become available when older nurses retire. Those following the path towards becoming a registered nurse will find abundant job prospects and ample opportunities. Call your representatives and tell them to pass the W visa for nurses that will provide a temporary non-immigrant category for nurses. Also tell them to tackle legal immigration 
first to get the nurses in waiting in the EB-3 category moving forward, given that this is a pre-certified shortage occupation. Next on the list, we have home health aid. Home health aides function as caregivers to many people who are unable to leave their homes or live on their own. Home health aides may check vital signs, administer medicines, and help with daily tasks. The job outlook for home health aides is excellent, especially as baby boomers age and home health aides retire or advance in other careers. In 2006, there were 767,000. The 2016 projection estimates 1,156,000. Percentage growth is over 50%, with a salary range of under $21,220, and education is based on on-the-job training. Coming in third on our list is medical assistant. Medical assistant perform administrative and clinical tasks in a variety of work settings. A staple of the healthcare industry, medical assistants are in demand all over the U.S. Employment for medical assistants is estimated to grow much faster than average, and job opportunities should be abundant for medical assistants with formal training or certification. Fourth on our list are pharmacy technicians. Pharmacy technicians help pharmacists in providing medication and healthcare products to patients. Because there is currently few state and no federal requirements for formal training, many employers have on-the-job training, which is appealing to individuals who want to further their education without attending multiple years of school. In 2006, the employment was listed as 285,000, with a 2016 projection of 376,000, leaving us with a 32% growth and a salary ranging between $21,260 and $30,560. The demand for pharmacy technicians will increase along with the elderly population. Pharmacies looking to cut costs will shift more responsibilities from pharmacists to technicians. Number five on the list is medical secretaries. The employment is expected to grow faster than average and job opportunities sh should be essentially good for those who are certified. Employment in hospitals and physicians offices will continue to grow significantly. Next on the list we have dental assistants. Dental assistants are most in demand in the field of dentistry. The statistics are as follows. In 2006 the employment was at 280,000 we now have a 2016 projection of 362,000, giving us a 29.2% growth rate with a salary range of between 21,260 and $30,560. The education slash training is based on on-the-job training. As dental health among older generations improves, routine preventative care is needed more than ever before. Also, younger dentists entering the field are more likely to work as assistants giving a good outlook for the future dental assistants. Number seven on the list are healthcare administrators. As the backbone of the healthcare system, healthcare administrators take on the duties of overseeing vast expanses of medical personnel. As the structure of financing and of healthcare industry changes, healthcare administrators must be able to adapt to new environments. However, administrators are still in great demand despite the evolving industry. Number eight brings us to medical records and health information technicians. Medical records and health information technicians maintain the millions of documents the healthcare industry produces. Paperwork includes x-rays, medical histories, lab tests, and treatment plans. Every patient has detailed medical records and it is necessary that these records be kept organized and confidential. Even with the proliferation of online and electronic health records, the medical records field is expected to grow considerably. Number nine brings us to physical therapists. 
Physical therapy is a growing occupation, especially for those who are interested in pursuing an advanced medical degree but do not want to be physicians. Currently, the number of physical therapy jobs is greater than practicing physical therapists because many physical therapists hold more than one job, such as having a private practice and also working part-time at another healthcare facility. Call your representative and ask them to tackle legal immigration reform first so that the backlog of PTs waiting for green cards, a pre-certified shortage occupation along with RNs, get moving forward for foreign physical therapists. In 2006, the employment was 173,000 with a 2016 projection of 200,000, giving us a percentage growth of 27.1%, with a salary range of $46,360 or more. The job does require a master's degree, but the demand for physical therapy with the elderly and disabled population growing will constantly keep the industry expanding. Last on our list, we have physician's assistants. In 2006, the employment numbers were at about 66,000 with a 2016 projection of 83,000, giving us a 27% growth rate with a salary range of $46,360 or more. This job also requires a master's degree, as healthcare facilities, particularly in rural and inner city areas, increasingly use physician's assistance to address physician shortages and save money, job demand will grow. We now move to our H-1B recent frequently asked questions. The first question being, what happens if I am terminated but the company keeps me on as an employee without pay? USCIS will not consider you in status unless you are employed and being paid as an H-1B visa holder. This is a dangerous road to travel for both the employer and the employee. When filing for a change or an extension, USCIS expects that the applicant documents their status by presenting recent paycheck vouchers. Without these, it is likely that the USCIS will not conclude that the applicant is in status. Your option might be to obtain an H-1B petition approval for counselor processing rather than change status or extend in the U.S. Our second question is, what if your employer puts you on an unpaid leave because of lack in work? Putting an employee on leave, or benching, because you have no assignment for them does not relieve the employer from continuing to pay salary. Doing so will expose the employee and the employer to some very heavy-handed judgments, such as being assessed to pay back wages, benefits, and penalties on top of this. As contract work becomes harder in this economy, particularly for those who work in the IT and healthcare sectors, employers must protect themselves even if it means that sometimes you must let a valuable employee go. Per H-1B regulations, employers are required to pay full salary to the employee even during non-productive times. Our third question is, how does the H-1B remainder option work? When you have been in the USA, but have not exhausted the entire six-year maximum period stay, you may seek readmission to the United States for a new employer or the same employer without being subject to the H-1B cap. Our fourth and last question is, since the release of the controversial Newfield Memorandum on January 8, 2010, what do you do if your employer is an IT or healthcare staffing agency and you need to file an initial H-1B case or an extension? The factor under consideration is greater scrutiny regarding the employer-employee relationship who supervises and controls the work of the H-1B employee, and whether or not the employer maintains supervision in a consistent and regular manner. 
and how supervision is done, on-site visits by the employer, via telephone, written reports, and the frequency. If the supervision is done off-site, then how does the employer maintain supervision? These are issues that need to be addressed, and we highly recommend that you work with an experienced, qualified immigration attorney that can walk all the parties very carefully through these complex issues. Before we bring this podcast to a close, I'd like to go over what immigration solutions can do for your organization. We can consult with you to determine the nature of the position and prospective employees' backgrounds are appropriate for H-1B or any other non-immigrant visa, whether it be TN, L-1A, whether it be TN, L-1A, L-1B, or E-visas. We can also process green card cases for your employees if you're interested in obtaining legal permanent residency for them. We can advise both the employer and prospective employee regarding documentation requirements as well as legal issues, and will make recommendations on the most appropriate process for you or your company to pursue. Lastly, we will handle the entire process for you with some of the industry's best and most experienced licensed immigration attorneys and case managers. If you're not a client of our office, we welcome hearing from you.